Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And one of the big goals for a lot of people around the world is to visit the world famous site in Machu Picchu in Peru in South America. And we have the pleasure and the the fortune of having one of the world's foremost experts in the area of Machu Picchu. I don't know if he'll say that, he's a humble guy, uh, but he's definitely a, a specialist in this area. He helps people uh, plan their vacations in Peru uh, and obviously focusing on Machu Picchu, which is definitely a hot spot. Uh, somewhere that I uh, am personally going to be going to. I'm currently in Trinidad and uh, we're heading over to Colombia and in Ecuador and then we're going to be heading into Peru. Uh, so I'm super excited to talk to Alvaro. Uh, he's uh, from Lima, so it's always good to get a local's perspective. Uh, I mean, it's one thing to get a tourist perspective and uh, them sharing about Peru or uh, them sharing about uh, Machu Picchu, but it's a whole different uh, ball game uh, to get a local's insider's perspective. Uh, so Alvaro, uh, he's the owner of Smartway Peru, uh, where he works as a vacation planner uh, to help people to plan their trips uh, to Peru because sometimes it can definitely be overwhelming. Uh, if you don't know the language, you don't know much about the, what to see, what to focus on. So Alvaro will be giving some insights into uh, travel. But before he does that, he's going to share a little bit about his, his background and his own travel. So uh, Alvaro, uh, if you want to share a little bit about yourself uh, for our listeners and viewers. Sure. Well, uh, hello, everybody. My name is Alvaro Mejia. I am originally from Peru. I was born and raised in Lima, the capital city. And well, uh, what can I tell you about myself? In my late teens, I studied hotel and tourism management for two years. And immediately after I started my own business, I had a traditional travel agency. You know, I worked with couples with families from Peru, from other countries as well. I work with diplomats, a few of, a few ambassadors. I work with international students from the top U.S. universities, MIT, Columbia, Harvard, Stanford, University of Chicago. And uh, uh, I used to arrange trips in Peru, basically. So I have a lot of experience doing my job for about 11 years. In 2012, I opened a second travel agency, but for personal reasons, I stopped working as a travel agent, like as a traditional travel agent, more or less in 2014. During, I mean, from, I would say, 1999 to 2016, I traveled to different countries. I've been to 23 of the 24 departments in Peru. I mean, Peru is divided into departments, same as the United States is divided into states. Here we call them departments. So I've been in 24 out of the 24, in 23 out of the 24. And I've been to many countries in South America. I believe all of them, except for Venezuela, Venezuela and Uruguay, I guess, yeah. I've been in Central America, I've been six times in Mexico, I've been in France, Italy, I've been to the Middle East, Israel, Egypt, Jordan, South Africa, and Easter Island as well. And I lived for a bit more than a year in Sydney, in Australia, where I also did a second diploma course in travel and tourism. So um, I like traveling, of course. I really enjoy meeting people from different parts of the world. I like learning from them. I like sharing my culture. So this is more or less who, who I am. And uh, this year, I started working in a different way. I decided that I didn't want to continue working as a traditional travel agent because I believe there are some limitations for me there. And what I do now is I arrange trips in a non-traditional way. I let customers have a direct contact with final service providers. When I mean final service providers, I mean hotels, tour operators, etc. You know, the ones that are in charge of giving you the final service in the destination you choose. So, um, since I worked for 11 years as a travel agent, I'm allowed to still get special rates, wholesale prices, for my customers. I don't add any commission to it and I don't receive any commission from hotels and tour operators. So basically for my job, I charge a fee, which is not based on a percentage. 
is not it is only based on the number of people traveling together and the number of days of your trip okay so i provide completely unbiased advice because you know i don't since i don't receive any commission i don't have any reason to push a a product or a service on you so and i I also provide uh, more advantages and benefits. For example, people don't need to pay for a whole tour package three weeks in advance, four weeks in advance, two weeks in advance. Most of these items can be paid upon arrival. So in case you cancel your trip, you won't lose too much money. Probably you won't even lose anything at all. Of course, there are some items and services that need to be paid in advance. You know, So basically, that is what I can tell you about myself. Awesome. You definitely have a wealth of uh, travel experience. It's amazing. You've been to uh, pretty much every South American country. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people haven't even left their own country. So good on you for doing that, uh, to do the Middle East and, you know, parts of Africa, Australia, etc. So uh, very inspired by your own travel journey. Uh, for this interview, we'll, we'll be focusing on uh, Peru because I know a lot of people would love to visit and uh, they're a little bit scared about how it will be in terms of the crime or in terms of safety or in terms of uh, the altitude, in terms of the food, the language. So there were, we have a lot to talk about about Peru. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, Peru and um, the country as a whole, uh, just uh, so we can give a summary for the listeners and viewers. Tell us about Peru. Well, Peru is the third biggest country in South America. And of course, we have a world wonder that is Machu Picchu. We also have another wonder that is the Amazon, you know, because there are seven new world wonders, classical new world wonders, but we also have the nature world wonders and the Amazon is one of, of, uh, of them. When you think about Peru, people associate Peru with Machu Picchu, with the Andes, Lake Titicaca, Nazca Lines, but they don't realize that more than half of Peru is Amazon rainforest, not mountains. <laughs> So it's also another another destination that is very very interesting that, that, that I personally love. I really love the rainforest. And well, Peru has uh, has three natural regions. Like I would say that in Grosso Modo, three natural regions because we have many more. We have the coast where Lima is located. We have other cities on the coast like Trujillo in the north, Chiclayo, the uh, the the beaches of Mancora, Punta Sal in the north near the Ecuador. We have the desert of Ica, Ballestas Islands in the south as well. The Nazca Lines are also located near the coast. We have the highlands, you know, we have the Andes. And in, in, in on this area, you find Cusco, the archaeological capital of America, is a very important city. You know, many people want to go there because it's the gateway to go to the starting point to go to Machu Picchu. It's it's Cusco, and we in 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 the Andes we also have another city which is the second city in Peru that is called Arequipa. It's a beautiful beautiful colonial city. You can see three volcanoes there. And it's the gateway to go to the Colca Canyon as well, one of the deepest canyons in the world. You can see the, the, the fly of the condor. And from the Colca Canyon, you can go to Lake Titicaca in Puno, that is near Bolivia. We share that lake with Bolivia. You can visit islands in the, in, uh, I mean, on this lake. We have Taquile Island, we have Amanchani Island. You can stay for a night there in, um, and, and spend a night in 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 a in a family house in a local family house. It's a really great experience. And we also have the unique floating islands. They are located near the city of Puno on Lake Titicaca, and they are literally floating islands because they are knitted, you know, from uh, by the by their own inhabitants from a plant called Totora or Junco. And it's, it's an awesome experience. And of course, the area of Cusco, you know, Machu Picchu, you have the city of Cusco, you have the Sacred Valley, and you have many places to go. So someone, if, if I need to give an advice, you need to go to Cusco for at least, I mean, if you don't have time, if you don't have too many days in Peru, please go at least four days, at least, to see the city, the Sacred Valley, and Machu Picchu. But my recommendation will be, five or six days 
at least. It's a beautiful area. And of course, we have the Amazon, the rainforest. Uh, probably the, the nearest point in the Amazon to visit from Cusco is Puerto Maldonado. Okay, it's like uh, you can take a flight for 25 minutes. Or you can also go to Iquitos if you want to see the Amazon River. The Amazon River is born in Peru and it goes through all the rainforest to Brazil and the Atlantic Ocean. But it's born here. And in this region, you can see many animals. You can have contact with flora, fauna. You can see pink dolphins in the Amazon. Many people don't believe there are pink dolphins, but <laughs> they exist and they're really nice. So Peru is now. Um, safer than than in the old times i would say uh because during the 80s you know we have problems with terrorism thanks god we don't have those problems anymore at least as, as serious as they were in the past and i believe that in general terms it's 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 i mean peru is not as safe as probably areas in canada the united states of, or australia you know but it's not like a very dangerous place i mean i would say there are other countries and cities in latin america that are more dangerous so you need to be careful when you travel through peru just be careful don't leave your stuff like in bus stations train stations you just need to be careful you have just to use your your common sense you know but basically that's that's peru <laughs> no good great, great summary great by the way i'm glad all the different areas because a lot of people don't know much about Peru outside of uh, like you mentioned Cusco or uh, Machu Picchu or Titicaca. So uh, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned things like the Amazon because when we think of the Amazon a lot of people just think of Brazil but Amazon is massive it goes uh, through so many South American countries like Peru and Ecuador Colombia into Brazil uh, and out of Brazil but uh, yeah uh, and I saw those pink uh, dolphins I actually got to swim with them with kids uh, which is definitely one of the highlights of our visit to the Amazon on the Brazilian side. Uh, so uh, in terms of uh, Peru, uh, will have is how long uh, you mentioned uh, how many days in Cusco but uh, what would you recommend for a typical trip in Peru I mean obviously you could uh, if you had the time and the money spend a whole year there or a few months but uh, realistically uh, you know uh, what would you say is more realistic for a typical person who's sure. visiting maybe from uh, like you said Canada US uh, Europe Australia and they're coming into Peru uh, what would you say is a good time frame to see the highlights of Peru well, it's very hard <laughs> for me to answer that question, but for example, if I had only eight days in Peru, in Peru, if I had only eight days, I would share those days between Lima, the capital city, because uh, some people say, oh, no, Lima is just a city, a cosmopolitan city, a modern city, but it, it's really interesting to visit this city because you find, you can visit pre-Inca sites in the city, pre-Inca archaeological sites in the city without leaving the city. You know, we have like pyramids, archaeological pyramids surrounded by modern buildings in the city. And you have the colonial, um, also the, the colonial area in the historical center of Lima. You have the modern area in Miraflores. San Isidro is also another very nice neighborhood with a beautiful olive park that boasts the, the oldest olive trees in the Americas. We have so many colonial churches, museums. We have a beautiful water park in Lima as well. So basically, I would say that if I had only eight days in Peru, I would share those eight days between Lima, Cusco, of course, Machu Picchu, all the area around Cusco. And I would probably take a one-day tour to the south of Lima to visit the Ballestas Islands. You can see seagulls, sea wolves, penguins, birds. It's a beautiful area. And the Huacachina Lagoon. It's a lagoon in the middle of the desert. It's considered the only oasis in South America, I would say. And it, you can do boogies, you can do sandboard. So for eight days, I would recommend those destinations. If I had more time, I would definitely visit the Amazon or Lake Titicaca from Cusco, you can go to Lake Titicaca as well and spend at least three days there to visit the islands, to have time, you know, and to have enough time to visit the sites. Other beautiful places, Arequipa, as I mentioned before. So I believe that 10 days is a good time. 
10 days is a good time to visit Peru. But of course, if you have just eight days, come anyway. If you have more days, good for you. But between 10, between 10 and 14 days, it's a good time to, to visit Peru as well. And there are, of course, many other places in the north of Peru that are not as famous as, as, as the sites in the south. But in, in the north, we have the fortress of Cuela. They call it the northern Machu Picchu. I really don't like those names because it has its own name. It's a pre-Inca archaeological site. And there is a waterfall called Gokta. It's the third longest in the world, I believe. And all that area in the north between the Andes and the Amazon is just so beautiful, full of lakes. You have the Blue Lagoon. You have the cities of Chachapoyas, Tarapoto. They are very nice. So that's what I can tell you in, in grosso modo, really, because there are so many things I can tell you about my country. You're definitely a great ambassador, and I can see your passion. I can hear your passion about, uh, about Peru. Uh, you know, I think typically, usually people have a vacation of anywhere from uh, 10 days to 14 days, so two weeks. So I think that's a good time frame you mentioned, uh, mm -hmm. the 10 to 14 days. Uh, I, I'm lucky that, uh, um, you know, as a digital nomad, we can actually invest more time in Peru. I'm planning anywhere from three weeks to four weeks because I like to get off the beaten track too, and not just go to the typical tourist places that everyone goes to. Yeah, uh, because I'm coming in from uh, Ecuador, I'll probably do the north and then go into the south and then exit uh, uh, down down in the south. Mm -hmm. uh, so tell us about transport. Uh, you mentioned that Peru is the third biggest country in the entire continent of South America. So obviously, mm -hmm. it's not a tiny place where you can just get by from uh, you know in one day across the country. Uh, so tell mm -hmm. us about how uh, people uh, get around uh, as tourists. I mean, uh, what are the options for tourists? To travel within Peru? Yeah, well, if you don't have too many days, the best option is to take a plane. If you wanna if you wanna land in Lima, you want to go to Cusco, you should take a plane. If you take a bus, it will take you more than 20 hours. All right. It's not so it's not so nice, it's gonna be a bit uncomfortable, but there are people who do that, and, and it's fine, it's up to it's up to you, you know. So a flight from Lima to Cusco takes like an hour and 20 minutes. So that's a really good option. And but if you have more days, you can go from Lima. If you want to see the south of Peru, you go from Lima to Paracas in the south, like four four hours from, from Lima. You see the Ballestas Islands, the natural reserve of Paracas. You continue to the oasis of Huacachina, to the lagoon I told you about in the middle of the desert. You continue then, I mean, from Paracas to Ica, I believe it's hour more or less an hour an hour and a half and from Ica well you, you visit the lagoon you take a bus there are like very nice buses you can go to Nazca and from Nazca you can take an eight-hour bus to the Colca Canyon hours to Lake Titicaca from Lake Titicaca you go to Cusco by bus there are some buses for example if you want to travel between Cusco and Lake Titicaca and Puno there are buses like there are tour buses and they're really nice because they make five stops between Cusco and Puno and Lake Titicaca and you get off the bus and you visit the sites you visit some museums you have lunch you have a tour guide in the bus so buses are really nice from Cusco to Machu Picchu you can take the train that is probably the best option so buses planes and sorry buses flights and and trains would be the the best options in peru there are really nice buses i can tell you very very nice you know uh, when i was in you know when i visited all the countries i missed i really miss the buses we have here in peru because they are really nice you can sleep on the bus you can have 160 degrees or even 180 so they're really good yeah it depends on the service you choose I don't suggest driving. I really don't suggest doing that. Yeah. Um, I, I love the bus system in all of South America. I, uh, um, my wife and me and the kids have been traveling uh, 
from Brazil uh, into Argentina, Paraguay, uh, up to north, uh, pretty much all by bus. Uh, we had to do a few flights here and there just because uh, of the distance, as you mentioned. Yeah. My wife doesn't like the bus as me as, as much as me, uh, especially well, the 20-hour buses. Uh, she's like, what are you doing to us, uh, Ricky? Uh, but for me, I ended up actually getting a lot of work done. Uh, I have my phone, and uh, on my phone, I'm uh, doing my business planning, and uh, I find I can process things much easier on the buses because I don't have the distractions. Um, uh, so I actually like the buses for uh, having a little office, <laughs> an office on wheels. Uh, yeah. And I'll, sometimes they There's need Wi-Fi. Wi Many buses have Wi-Fi, you know. They have Wi-Fi. They give you lunch. They have like a flight attendant, a bus attendant. I don't know if that word exists. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So you won't have any problems traveling by bus in Peru. Of course, there are different kind of buses, you know. So if, if you don't want to pay that much, you will probably don't get the same service like in everywhere else. So uh, uh, let's focus on Machu Picchu because that's why people go to Peru. I mean, uh, people might have friendly and friends there, but uh, really yeah. uh, people want to see Machu. Uh, so tell I, us about Machu Picchu and why is it such a big bucket list item for so many people around the world? Well, Machu Picchu is located in, in, in New York, Cusco, the archaeological capital of America, and it's considered one of the seven uh, New World Wonders, and it's called like the Hidden City of the Incas. Why the Hidden City of the Incas? Because it was not found by the Spanish conquerors. That's why we still have it. The, it was not found by them, so it was... I mean, there were some indigenous people that, you know, that that knew where it was located, this place, as it is now. So officially, it was discovered by Hiram Bingen, and an American who was in Peru in those times on some expeditions. And little by little, it, became, it started becoming, uh, becoming more, more and more famous, more and more well-known worldwide. And the architecture in Machu Picchu is just amazing, you know, because you have like huge rocks. They didn't use any kind of plaster to join these rocks. And it's not just that. It's just the place where Machu Picchu is. It's surrounded by cliffs. <laughs> so you need to think about, you know, how come they constructed such a thing here? It's already amazing, the architecture, but there, you know, surrounded by cliffs on a mountain. So that is. That is very unusual, and I believe it was very difficult to construct, so to build, very difficult to build. So um, there are different ways to go to Machu Picchu. The traditional way, the traditional way is taking the train from Cusco or the Sacred Valley. If you take it from Cusco, there is a train station called Poroi. It's located like 30 minutes from the city of Cusco, and it takes more almost four hours to get from Poroi to Machu Picchu Town. Machu Picchu Town used to be called Aguas Calientes. That means hot waters, like hot springs, because there are hot springs in the, in, in the town as well. So uh, that is a traditional way, okay? For example, if you have four days, my suggestion is, if you're taking the tour to the Sacred Valley, it's a beautiful valley, like two hours from Cusco, you can, take the train from the Sacred Valley. There are two stations, Urubamba and Ollantaytambo, okay? So the Sacred Valley tour takes you to the fortress and the village of Ollantaytambo, and after visiting that site, the tour goes back to Cusco. So instead of going back to Cusco with the group, you can stay there in Ollantaytambo and take the train from Ollantaytambo to Machu Picchu because Ollantaytambo in the Sacred Valley is between Cusco and Machu Picchu. So instead of taking a train for four hours, you will take a train for a bit less than two hours. So you will save time and money, all right? So and another way to visit Machu Picchu is by car. It's of course less comfortable, but you can take, um, there, there are some tours that depart from Cusco by car. They depart, I believe at 8.30 a.m. And they take you to a, a place called the hydroelectric. Hydroelectric. So you get off there and you can either take a local train or you can walk 
to the town of Machu Picchu. It can take you between two and a half hours or three hours, depends on your pace. You get there in the late afternoon, probably, yeah, in the late afternoon, probably at six o'clock, but between, yeah, it depends on your pace. And you stay a night in the town of Machu Picchu. And next day, you can visit the archaeological site first time in the morning. You can also do that if you if you take the train. My suggestion is to stay a night in the town of Machu Picchu. Stay a night there. Why? Because you have the chance to visit Machu Picchu next day in the morning, first time. First time in the morning before all the crowds of people come from Cusco. You can see the sunrise and you can visit the archaeological site with less people. <laughs> yeah, and also, last but not least, another way to get to Machu Picchu is the Inca Trail. There are different trails, you know, that take between three, between two days, five or six days. For example, the Inca Trail, you, it, it's, it's a trekking. It takes four days. The classical one takes four days. There is a shorter version of two days, one night. But you need to book at least four months in advance because the spaces are limited. However, there are also other treks, for example, the Salcantay Trek. Salcantay is a beautiful uh, glacier. And you don't need to book like four months in advance. That, that, that's a good thing about Salcantay Trek. And you get there. And another one is called Inca Jungle that combines biking, downhill, rafting, zipline, hot springs during the three days or four days that it takes. So those are the three main options to get to Machu Picchu, by train, by car, and trekking. A great summary. Thank you so much. Uh, I've heard uh, about the tracks. I mean, I've heard about the train. I didn't know about the car option. So there you go. There's uh, always uh, more options than you think they are. Uh, so uh, what I've heard is, uh, from a lot of travelers is it's so crowded. I couldn't see much. It feels like um, uh, You kind of like a sardine in the can uh, So I like your suggestion too about sleeping in the town and then getting there super early um, Yeah, tell us a little bit about Machu Picchu itself in terms of how long uh, how many hours do you need there? Uh, what are the uh, sites itself within Machu Picchu to see what are the must-sees within uh, the archaeological site itself? Well, basically, there is a, uh, there are some towers, all right. There are some sanctuary sanctuaries, towers. There is like a solar clock, an Inca solar clock, and basically the tour, the guided tour takes. It depends on the company, depends on the on, on the on the tour guide you hire or the company you go with. But they take between two hours to two and a half hours. I work with a company that gives you two and a half hours, uh, with a small groups. All right, like semi-private service, and um, around Machu Picchu. But Machu Picchu is not only the archaeological site. For example, Machu Picchu, when you want to buy your entrance fee to Machu Picchu, you need to know ahead of time if you just want to visit Machu Picchu, the archaeological site, or you also want to climb Huayna Picchu. Huayna Picchu is the mountain. So you see Machu Picchu here, the archaeological site, the citadel, the city here, and you see a mountain, you know? So the top of the mountain is called Huayna Picchu. Okay, you can go trekking up to the mountain. It's really beautiful. You have a very beautiful uh, view of Machu Picchu, of the site. And there is also another place called Machu Picchu Mountain. It's like a mountain in front of what you see on the postcards. This mountain is higher, all right? So there are like three entrance fees, just Machu Picchu, Machu Picchu with Huayna Picchu, with the top of the mountain, or Machu Picchu, the archeological site, with Machu Picchu Mountain. It's a trekking, and from Machu Picchu Mountain, you can see Huayna Picchu and the archeological site. It's really nice. So from the 1st of July on, there are new regulations that apply because until I mean until the end of June, you can get a ticket to Machu Picchu and stay there the whole day if you want. However, from the first of July on, this is not going to be the same because you will need to choose a schedule in the morning or in the afternoon. All right, you need to 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 choose. So you cannot stay there 
the whole day. So that's why my advice is to go there in the morning. That is the best time to visit Machu Picchu. And you, of course, you need to know that you need, if on the second day you are coming back to Cusco, right? You need to be in the town early enough to take the train. Yeah, you're supposed to show up at the train station 30 minutes before the departure of your train. Uh, a lot of a lot of our uh, listeners and viewers will probably uh, watch it and listen to it after July when all these uh, uh, changes come into place. So uh, I'm glad uh, you're, uh, you're explaining that as well. Uh, so Alvaro, tell us yeah. about the costs. I mean, uh, you mentioned some of the, the entrance costs, but uh, what are the typical actual like U.S. dollar amounts? I mean, a lot of people work in U.S. dollars, so even though they might be from other parts of the world, they'll understand those numbers. Uh, so tell us about uh, roughly the train costs, roughly the entrance costs, and any other fees that we've neglected. Uh, so what are we looking at in terms of a budget? Okay, well, if you go to the Sacred Valley, if you follow my advice, and you go to <laughs> yeah. the Sacred Valley, you don't take the train from Cusco, you take it from the Sacred Valley, you take the train from Sacred Valley to Machu Picchu, that takes two hours, you visit Machu Picchu, and then you return to Cusco, just the train, just the train, if you buy it online by yourself, not through a travel agency, just by yourself, if you want to do everything on your own, the train will be around 145 US dollars, 154 or more. If you want like a superior train, it will probably cost you 20 to $30 more. There is also the uh, a luxurious, very luxurious train that is like $500, all right? <laughs> and But if you, you choose like the regular ones, that is the price between 145, the, I'm talking about the round trip. When you reach Machu Picchu, Machu Picchu town, if you want to go to the archaeological site, you need to catch a bus. You can walk, but it can be mm -hmm. exhausting, all right? Because it's, it's like a zip line hill, like a zip line mountain, all right? So if you want to take the bus, the round trip is 24 US dollars. The entrance fee in Machu Picchu, it's less than $50. It's 46 US dollars, more or less. I don't remember the exchange rate now, but it's around 46 US dollars. If you're a student, you get a discount. If you want to pay for a tour guide, it really depends. It can vary between $13 to $18 per person. And yeah, and if you want to stay for a night there, it depends. There are hostels that are quite cheap. You can, you, you, you can have your own bedroom. I mean, a bedroom for a couple for the cheapest one will probably be $30. $30 or even a little bit less, you know, but like a standard service, a standard tourist service will probably be $70, $80. If you want something better, of course, more. Yeah. And what else I'm missing? Bus, train. Yeah, basically that is it. Yeah. So how much are we looking at for a trip to Machu Picchu? Like you mentioned the dollar amounts. Are we looking at a few hundred at least US? Let me give me just 30. <laughs> yeah. Give me just he's, a, he's working give me train just a there on, on, on live on the uh, uh, the video and the podcast. But uh, uh, you know, he mentioned all these costs, such as the the the, the bus. Uh, if you stay overnight, uh, just the entrance fee and also the guide fee, plus obviously the food. Either you buy on site or you actually have to uh, bring food with you and have a little picnic uh, up in the, somewhere in Machu Picchu. So um, yeah, it's gonna be like. 200 250 dollars more or less for the full day if you take the not trains cheap. that's pretty pricey uh, for not, a one it's, day it's, uh, yeah it's no it's not it, i mean it's not cheap just machu picchu but the rest of peru it's i would say it's cheap for for foreigners i would say but just to go to machu picchu is probably the the, the most expensive item or service in, in Peru. However, if you go by bus, as I mentioned before, it can be much cheaper, much, much cheaper. Yeah, it can be 110, $120, yeah, it's much cheaper. But it's different, of course, the experience is different. Oh, give me, give me a second, I lost you. I can hear you. 
Okay. Um, some great yep. insights, Alvaro, into uh, Machu Picchu and Peru. Uh, thanks for sharing. Uh, let's end off with a few items about safety. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, South America isn't as safe as the U.S., but, you, you know, in places like the Bronx or Compton, uh, it's probably even more dangerous than in Peru. So uh, how can tourists be safe so they don't get mugged, robbed, or worse things happens because a lot of people have the fear. Oh no, I don't want to go because something might happen to me. Uh, what do you do to be street smart and travel smart? Yeah, well, uh, the main problems that foreigners have in Peru when they are traveling around are in the in bus stations and train stations. So, as I mentioned before, don't leave your suitcase or your 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 luggage unattended you know you all they, they always need to be with you in every time okay and don't take street taxis don't take them you know there are some applications you can use for example uber works perfectly well in at least in lima i'm not sure if in other cities in peru as well but you can call taxis as well if you're in your hotel ask the people at the front desk to call a taxi yeah on your behalf so that is uh, that's my my main advice and when you talk to people i mean we are very friendly i would say very friendly people but you need to be careful with giving personal information with telling people where you are staying and providing like really personal information you have to be careful and also when if you want to pay something any service with a credit card don't just give your credit card okay the, the waiter can bring the the pos right the machine so you can pay in front of him so those would uh, that's the advice i can give them you know just be careful but it's not like oh peru is such a dangerous place no you just need to be careful and of course just common sense when you go dancing when you go to a nightclub don't leave your drink unattended as well but that works all around latin america and around the world i would say so basically those are the tips i can i can give you uh, and the only things i would add to that are you know avoid walking around uh, at night because obviously at night uh, especially in quiet areas that's when uh, People can definitely rob you, mug you. Um, definitely don't show your stuff. Don't show watches or jewelry, uh, expensive cameras. Even walking yeah. around with a paper so, map, uh, that identifies you as a tourist. So I, I don't use paper maps. I, I have my Google um, uh, Maps if I need it. Um, I also have a ring around my phone, so uh, people can't actually grab one out of my hand because it's attached to my finger. Um, so really uh, using common sense, uh, being street smart, avoiding uh, dangerous areas and asking people when you get there exactly. where should i go where should i not go right and people exactly. Will exactly there are really safe areas in lima cusco and other cities in peru but there are definitely areas you need to avoid i'm about to make a video about those areas in cusco that are going to upload into youtube pretty soon and yeah basically that's that's the advice i can provide just to use common sense that it's not like uh in Peru, you cannot just leave the, the door of your car open, the door of your house open, just to use that, that common sense, thinking that, take into consideration you're in South America, right? You're not in, in Europe or Canada or Australia. Yeah, so it's, you just need to relax and just think everything is gonna be fine. Yeah, just be careful. That's my advice. Yeah, some yeah, great tips there. Alvaro, tell us about the food. I mean, uh, uh, one of the beauties of travel is to try the local cuisine, the gastronomy, and uh, uh, Peru Peruvian food I don't think is as famous internationally as maybe Mexican food or Brazilian food, the churrascarias, etc. So tell us about some of the staple items that uh, tourists must try when they get into Peru. Well, uh, gastronomy in Peru is a boom now. Uh, there are so many new restaurants, new cooking schools, yeah, it's not as famous as Mexican or as Chinese or Japanese, but for five consecutive years, we won a travel award for the best culinary destination in the world. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, wow. You should look for that travel awards. You can Google travel awards. 
and you will get that, that information. Uh, we have so many different kind of, of dishes. We have more than 5,000 types of soups, just talking about soups. So the main dish is the ceviche that is made of fish, marinated. You, can, you, you find ceviche all around Latin America, but, uh, but the ceviche here is really, really great. Is, is really good, it's made of raw fish marinated with Peruvian lemon, which is different from the lemon you, or lime, I would say lime. Uh, it's very different from the one you, the lemon is different from the one you find in other countries. It's, uh, it's prepared with onions, um, a bit of celery, pepper, salt, and local chili. It's served with sweet potato, corn, it depends on the region as well. So seafood is also in Lima at the coast. So if you come to Peru and you love seafood, please come to Lima. Just don't try seafood somewhere else in Peru. Try the local food. If you visit to Cusco, try the local food. If you go to the Amazon, try the local food there. So um, I really like eating out. And there's people who come to Lima just for a culinary tour. Yeah, there are people who come just to eat. We also have, uh, I mean, three of the top 50 restaurants in the world are located in Lima. Wow, see, I three didn't know the, that either, amazing. Fifth one, the, the, the fifth best restaurant in the world is in Lima. Is in Lima. You, you, you can also do some research and find out that. So um, Peruvian food is really varied. It depends on the region. So you can also, if you come to Lima, you can also have lomo, lom, it's called lomo saltado, is a steak, cut a steak, pieces of steak with french fries, with tomato, with onions, salted, you know, on a wok, and served with rice, and yeah, and served with rice. We have the famous pisco sour, is our national drink, you know, pisco is the, the national alcoholic drink in Peru, and the cocktail, the most famous cocktail made of pisco is called Pisco sour with lemon. It has uh, egg white as well. It's, it's really a, a delicious cocktail, a regional cocktail. And in the Andes, you have all this exotic food. You know, you can have guinea pig if you want. That's a traditional dish in the Andes. Quinoa soup. Many of the dishes are cooked with potatoes as well. Uh, with a lot of chicken as well, but we also have vegetarian options. Talking about uh, food, you know, you have access to different kinds of foods. If you are a vegetarian, if you're a vegan, there are restaurants, Peruvian restaurants that will prepare uh, a, a, a vegetarian Peruvian food, you know. If you like shrimp, if you, you, you can try alpaca as well. <laughs> For some people don't want to because they're really cute, cute animals. <laughs> Personally, don't eat them, but yeah, you can try different types of, of food as well. If you have like, uh, if you eat, for example, kosher or halal, there are also options for you and you can still try Peruvian food. You just need to know where to get those kind of, uh, of, of food. Awesome, yeah, I'm looking forward to going to Peru for the food itself now that you mentioned all those uh, culinary benefits of the country. Uh, tell us about yeah. the language because I think uh, I always like to dismantle people's fears uh, because people yeah. have fear about the language, about safety and about logistics and we're trying to like basically break down their fears so that they can actually go to Peru freely. Um, so obviously language is a big barrier as a, uh, for me, I'm Canadian, uh, for North American or a, external person outside of South America who most of the world doesn't speak Spanish with the exception of uh, Latin America, South America, Spain, obviously. Uh, so, uh, I mean, uh, if people are visiting and they want to at least learn the basics, uh, what, are the, what would you suggest uh, to visit Peru with little or no uh, speaking ability? Well, if you come on your own, you may need to speak some Spanish. If you come on your own, you know, if you come through, if you already arrange everything through a travel agency, probably you, don't, you won't need as much because like in the, mo in, in the most touristic areas, I'm talking about hotels and travel agencies in Lima, like in Miraflores area, in a tourist area. Many people speak English, not all of them, but at least the people who work in travel agencies, they have at least a basic or intermediate knowledge of English. 
all right? I'm talking about the big companies. And if you want to learn Spanish, well, you, I would suggest taking a course. You have online courses. Get a Spanish speaker friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, <laughs> you know? Or, That's always um, the best way. You, you can hire a private teacher as well. As I mentioned to you before, I'm also a, a teacher, a Spanish teacher. So I also teach Spanish from, from time to time and try to, to practice the language. Try to practice the language. If you have a language school in the place where you live, go and enroll in a course for one month, two months, or a couple of weeks, you know, take an intensive course. There are also uh, school languages in Peru, you know. You can come, you stay with a Peruvian family, and you attend classes. So that is the, the best way to learn a language is actually to live in the country or have contact with the language, you know. So I, I, people are also welcome to, to contact me in case they want online classes. That's fine. Or they can choose the teacher they want as well. But yeah, that's a, a really good uh, way to learn a language. And also to watch movies, you know, to, to, to watch telenovelas, soap operas. <laughs> that's a good way to learn as well. Yeah. And I'll add to that as well. Uh, if you want to learn a language, even in your home city, home country, they typically have meetups. Uh, you know, meetup.com. Yeah, of course. They'll have a Spanish-speaking meetup, and and that's a great way to connect with locals and maybe expats who have come from Spain, uh, Latin America, Central America, South America, and now they're living around the world and they still like to speak Spanish with other people. So uh, going to those expat or Spanish-speaking meetups is another great way of uh, learning the language before you go. Sure, I, I do that here with English and French and Portuguese. I, I practice those languages in those meetups as well. Yeah, not every city has that, that, that advantage, but yes. in many places you find them, yeah. Well, since you do teach uh, Spanish, why didn't you teach the viewers and listeners five phrases that they must learn for coming to Peru? What are the top five things they must say? Uh, sure. The hellos, well, the goodbyes, the thank yous, et cetera. The magic words. Yes, the magic Gracias. Word. Thank Gracias. you when someone does. Gracias when someone does something nice to you. You know, por favor, por favor. Okay, por do me favor. a favor, please. Do me a favor, por favor. Gracias, and to introduce yourself. Hola, mi nombre es Álvaro. Hi, my name is. Hola, mi nombre es Ricky. Yeah, well done. And when someone says thank you to you, you say de nada. De nada. De nada means you are welcome. De nada. So those are the phrases I can say. And to say, nice to meet you. Mucho gusto. Very short. Mucho gusto. Mucho gusto. You shake hands. Yeah. So awesome. those are the short <laughs> phrases I can say to you. We've been traveling around South America for two months, and uh, you know, in Brazil, and uh, uh, we went to Argentina, Paraguay, uh, now we're in Trinidad, and we'll be heading to most of the other South American countries. We, we pretty much know only about 10 or 20 phrases, including those five you mentioned, and of course, bus station, and toilet, and chicken, beef, pork. <laughs> uh, those phrases alone are good enough for us. I mean, obviously, I'd love to be able to speak more, and uh, we, we use our Lonely Planet Facebook. We also have Google Translate on our phone. Uh, I really recommend the Google Translate app because you can actually scan menus, and uh, you can actually uh, say a word, and it'll translate for you. So Google Translate's a great tool as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. We need to use technology nowadays. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, and Duolingo is another one. Shout out to them. Uh, Alvaro, you've given us a wealth of info and knowledge. Uh, so if people wanted to find out more about how you can support them, help them out, either by doing some Skype Spanish tutoring or teaching yeah. or uh, you know, hiring you for some travel consultancy, some travel sure. planning advice, uh, tell us a little bit more how, how uh, people can work with you. Well, uh, what I basically do is, as I mentioned before, I put, I put in contact people to the final service providers with the special rates. Sometimes these special rates can get, uh, I, I get these special rates directly with them because of the business relationship I've had for more than 10 years. You know, in some cases, those, uh, the best prices are found online. And in some other cases, I need to, to, to get them through wholesalers, 
to get the, the best prices. So, th so there are different ways I can get the, the, the best prices for them. And I add a fee, as I mentioned before, based on the number of people traveling together and the number of days. So at the end of the day, it's going to be less. It will cost people less money than arranging the same trip with the same services, with the same quality through a retail travel agency. So if people want to contact me and know more about the advantages and benefits, they can visit my website, www.smartwayperu.com. Or they can also send me an email to info at smartwayperu.com. Thank you very much. And uh, by the way, uh, we have a common friend. Her name is Estella, who's uh, my friend from Vancouver, BC, Canada. And she recently uh, used Alvaro's services when she was in Peru. And she's raving about how uh, helpful he was and uh, how much it was beneficial for her to uh, hire Alvaro for some uh, travel advice before she arrived. So, um, I, you know, Estella highly recommends you, So, and I'm looking forward to meeting you. So thanks for your time today. I'm sure our listeners and viewers got a wealth of info. I know I did, and uh, it actually inspired me to visit Peru even more. So thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Ricky. It was really nice meeting you. I invite everybody to come to Peru the, the smart way. So I hope I, I will receive people's inquiries soon. Thank you very much, and I please contact me when you come. It will be nice to meet you. Um, so everyone, uh, you know, uh, make sure you check out Alvaro's site. It's called smartwayperu.com. Uh, nice and easy, three words, smart, smart, way, Peru. Uh, so make sure you check it out, smartwayperu.com. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Digital Nomad Mastery, where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world, but also how to travel the world itself. Uh, we've been starting to do more country-specific podcasts. Uh, we did one in Colombia uh, with Herman, and now we're doing one here with Peru uh, in Peru. And we'll be covering uh, you know, a lot of the other countries uh, that people will want to visit. So uh, hopefully, uh, I know that you found out a, a wealth of info. I know I have. Thanks, everyone. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, subscribe to us on YouTube, and follow us all over the social media, uh, Digital Nomad Mastery and DigitalNomadMastery.com. Thanks, everyone, and we'll catch you in the next episode.